0: Listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We get to have not just one, but two friends today. We're going to start with one and hold off on the other for just a little bit. So first of all, Jana, Jana Magruder, it's so good to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thanks. It's great to be back.
0: It seems like it's been a while since we've been on together. We need to have you on for a whole episode so that we can just connect and get you reconnected with the listeners. But we've done this before many, many times together, and uh, and so you you know one of the things that I like to do is give the listeners a chance to learn little things about us. And so <laughs> as we get ready to talk today with our special guest, uh, I wanted to start by by you know I'm a I'm a Child of television. And so, no, I don't know how much TV you watched as a kid. (laughs) Did you watch a lot of TV?
1: In certain eras, yes. I'm not sure how much overlap we did in those eras, but yes. I know,
0: we're we're not that <laughs> far apart in age, but you You're do often that. remind me that I am older than you enough <laughs> that sometimes we don't have the same references. But you, certainly you remember like, you know, waking up on Saturday morning for cartoons, bowl of cereal yeah. on Saturday morning, that kind of thing. Did mm-hmm. you, But but during the rest of the week, like the only place to watch TV as a kid was like PBS, right? It was like channel right. 13. That was it. Yep. So what, what were some of your favorite shows that you might've watched as a kid? Were you like a Sesame street watcher or did you not like that?
1: I had, I have some very early memories of Sesame street. I even had a big bird stuffed animal and it was a stuffed animal where you could kind of put your hand in the back of his neck and move oh his, and move like, like a puppet. Beak? So it was okay. kinda of like a stuffed animal puppet. And I loved him and my mom kept it forever <laughs> in our attic. I think he finally disintegrated his feather material disintegrated. But I loved Big Bird. So he was my favorite.
0: Nice. And then I know that you were you probably I think were a fan of the Muppet Show.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes. 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 That, Miss Piggy. Did, all the way. Miss she Piggy. was hilarious.
0: I love Kermit. There was something about Fozzie Bear that I just thought was hilarious, too. I don't know. I could see but that. Yeah. Muppets. Muppets Maybe good. some
1: inspiration.
0: Maybe a little bit. Ah, hey, you guys. Yeah, a little bit. Right. That's crazy. I know that uh, Melita Thomas is uh, who works with us is a huge uh, Muppet fan. So there's if you ever need need to make conversation with her, anybody who's listening, you run into Melita, just ask her anything about the Muppets and it will go on and on and on. (laughs) She does. I think literally speaks Muppet. Yeah. So Miss Piggy was one of your favorites.
1: Yes. And the cool thing about both of those shows is that they have had some staying power. And so my kiddos... You yeah. know, grew up with you know, especially my oldest had tickle me El- Elmo, so that was a Sesame Street character. Yes, and then certainly the Muppets have made a few rounds of comebacks, and so they all have you know their household names, Miss Piggy and Kermit. Um, so I love that about PBS that they've they've been able to keep their shows going.
0: Totally, I'm sure. Like I remember the count. It's how it's how we learned to count. You know the yep. all the like the letter of the day and all those kind of things were hilarious yep. on Sesame Street. I loved all of that stuff. Now I was definitely pre Elmo. My kids like were the more Elmo generation. Right. No, 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 Mm-mm, no. Elmo no. was a late <laughs> addition. But all of those shows, like I used to watch, and you probably are way too young for this. But listeners, maybe one of you can relate. I remember watching Captain Kangaroo. Did you ever watch Captain Kangaroo? Do you know the show even?
1: Oh, I've heard of it for sure, but I don't. I don't think I ever watched it. I don't think it was. When did what? What years was that on?
0: Uh, probably would have been the early seventies.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. So you. I wasn't you, born yet.
0: You may not have been born yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they had like Mr. Green Jeans, all kinds of things, and then of course one of the best of all time was Mr. Rogers. Mr. Oh, Rogers yes. neighborhood, right? He For sure. put on his Mr. shoes Rogers. and the sweater and sing the yep. little song, feed and the, the fish. Mm-hmm. I love the trolley. The trolley was mm-hmm. great. And I felt like these people were my friends yes. you know, watching them on TV. So I was an only child. And so television was my friend. And so I was <laughs> friends with all these TV characters by proxy, which is awesome. But our guest today actually is a friend of the real Mr. Rogers, which is pretty cool. Wow. And I, I think we need to hear a little bit about that. We
1: need to hear about this, yes. So,
0: our guest today, listeners, is Dr. Mary Man Simon. And so, Dr. Mary, I want to. She. Let me just tell you who she is, and then we'll l- listen to her story. So, she's an educator, a consultant, a media personality. She's an award-winning author, uh, and she embodies thought leadership in the children and family space. And has for more than forty years. Um, she's got more than three million books that she's sold in English. In addition to publishing in like 11 foreign languages, I can't even imagine how cool that would be. Um, so she has uh, written uh, for entities like Crayola, Walden Media, Sony Home Entertainment. She hosted a program called Front Porch Parenting for nearly 15 years, and that aired on a whole bunch of broadcast outlets. And so Dr. Mary Man simon is with us today. So Dr. Mary, welcome to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.
2: Oh, thank you. It's so good to be with you, Chuck.
0: We tried to record about a week ago and we had some technical problems, so we've had to come back. Listeners, you would never know that if I didn't tell you, so I'm being very transparent. (laughs) But we're excited to be together today because the technology's working and we can see and hear one another. So it's great to see and hear you.
2: It's wonderful. I'm a tech (laughs) klutz, so it's great. We have experts on hand.
0: (laughs) So we set up a little bit about talking to some of these TV shows. You you did have the opportunity uh, to, to do an interview, I believe, right, with Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and then you got to spend some time with him and got to know him a little bit. Tell us just a little bit about that, because that's for me. That's like a brush with greatness.
2: It was for me, too. And I'll tell you, working with Fred Rogers was one of the great points of my life and one of God's wonderful surprises, because I never could have anticipated not only meeting Fred, but developing really a long-term, long-distance correspondence with him. Mm. It all started with my writing a cover story for Christian Parenting Today magazine, and then over the years, it kind of grew. And so a couple of years ago when the movie came out with Tom Hanks starring Fred, um, I was a consultant on that marketing. Wow, that's great. And it was interesting because I was one of the few people really in that group who actually knew Fred. Wow. But Mr. Rogers was truly the most Christlike person. He was calm. He was at peace with himself and God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what comes across on the screen. But it yeah. also came across in real life. He never interrupted. And so often as Christian educators and parents, we charge in, you know, we're so excited to talk. We just charge into a child's emotional space. And Fred never did that. It was almost as if he would click pause And wait a couple seconds before he would respond, giving the other person an opportunity to finish their thought without any kind of interruption. And what a gift that was for me as a model, because I tend to interrupt and plow ahead and yet... Fred always paused and he waited and he listened. He was uh, just a very inspirational person. And it was a great joy to not only be with him in the studio at PBS in Pittsburgh mm. and see you know, the set come to life, to watch him tape shows, but also to develop this long-term by letter. I have a whole stack of letters from Fred in which he asked about our children and how they were doing, and they, he knew their names. Mm. Um, it was just an incredible relationship and one of God's great gifts to me.
0: Well, what a fun part of your story that you can share some of his story with us. That is so wonderful. Now you you also have a wonderful story and ministry of your own and your own way of relating to children and to parents of young children in particular. One of your books that we want to use as a little bit of a jumping off point today is called First Feelings and it's 12 stories for toddlers. And so I want to hear a little bit about that book and then Jen, I want to welcome you into the conversation too specifically we want to talk today about something that we often see as as ministry leaders in young ones who come, and that is separation anxiety. And so it's something that uh, if we're not prepared, we don't necessarily know how to react in that moment, how to help a child through uh, that, those times of anxiety, how to help parents through those times of anxiety. So tell us a bit about first feelings, and then let's talk about uh, some practical things that we might do to help uh, cope through the process of anxiety in young ones.
2: Absolutely, and thank you for the opportunity, Chuck. First Feelings actually was preceded by the book First Virtues, Mm -hmm. and we had such a wonderful response to First Virtues that First Feelings followed, and these books were both done with the help of mops groups in different cities. First Feelings happened because I listed all kinds of different emotions for some of the St. Louis area mops groups, mothers of preschoolers, and they prioritized what feelings their child dealt with on a regular basis. And I have to be honest and tell you that their list was different than my list as okay. a childhood educator. I never expected what they would have at the top of the list but i should have because mom said the emotion their child dealt with the most often and on an everyday basis was frustration Mm. and if you think about it a young child is frustrated by so many different things. And so frustration was the first feeling that I wrote about in first feelings. Mm. And, That was just one of the 12 that is in First Feelings. But it's a very practical book because what it does is identify the feeling and then has examples of how a child sees that feeling in their life and what they can do about it. So it's such a fun read for early childhood educators who are trying to help Little ones, you know, work through the, those feelings. Um, we we sometimes need help working through these feelings, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, OK, so we're going to talk about separation anxiety, which is something that our preschool ministers that are listening and our children's ministers that are listening are very familiar with, because one of those places that that inevitably shows up is at drop off time, Sunday school or church. So tell us about some of those feelings. What is a child experiencing? And then help us understand how we can help parents uh, navigate those things, especially in the context of church.
2: We really have to go back a little bit and understand the context for separation anxiety because it's a very natural part of human development it really starts about seven or eight months. And that's when object permanence, that's the the real name of what the underlying Mm -hmm. issue is here. Object permanence is something that a child meets. And that's when all of a sudden you're in the church nursery and a child realizes his mom's gonna drop him off. And you deal with that separation anxiety. This issue really peaks about the age of 18 months. But the thing is, separation anxiety occurs again and again and again. For me, the most frustrating part, and I had three children in three and a half years, so it seemed like I was always dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the most frustrating part was, I would think, that we had solved this issue and I could drop them off at Sunday school and we wouldn't have any tears. And all of a sudden it came back again. Mm. So it's something that you continually deal with. The really important takeaway here is that it's going to happen more extensively for some kids than others. It's going to recur at different points when a child is maybe dealing with a milestone of development or a challenge and there's nothing you're doing wrong as a children's pastor. It's not caused by you. It's not caused by a bad environment. It's not caused by bad teaching. It's not caused by bad parenting. And that's a uh, an issue we have to help parents with, you know, yeah. that they aren't a failure as a mom or dad or children's pastor, having this child cry when they get left off.
0: Well, so you mentioned crying. What what are some of the other symptoms that we may notice? That because it may not always rep- uh, manifest itself as a as an outburst of tears or a meltdown. Right, there are other ways that this may look on different children.
2: That's exactly right, Chuck. Um, We might not see it at church, but they might have trouble sleeping. They might be fussy. They might be cranky. They might be clingy. All these things are very normal and natural um, expressions of that separation anxiety, which is underneath. But as we help the child cope with this issue, and we all want the child to have a good goodbye, we really need to take a step back and realize that coping really starts with the parent because, and there's a really important role for those in ministry, We have a tremendous opportunity here to be in partnership with a family so that we are not just helping the child cope with an issue. We are helping a family deal effectively with a point of child development. And how important is that role? I mean, we really can play a part in having the family have a positive adjustment to the church environment through their child. So that's that's just a really important takeaway for our listeners.
1: I agree. And as a mom who has dealt with, you know, preschoolers being, um, upset about drop-off or nervous about drop-off, there is a lot of shame there. So I'm glad that you brought that up because parents, you know, think that it must reflect their own parenting. And then, you know, that puts the children's minister in an awkward position and things like that. So I'm so glad that you addressed that. My next question is about how have uh, you seen or heard uh, this getting any worse after COVID? Uh, So some of the Mm -hmm. feedback that we've gotten from churches that we uh, have the privilege of serving is that this has had an uptick uh, since, you know, maybe preschoolers have had some time away uh, where they aren't in the habit of going to church every week, or maybe they have, maybe this is the first time that they are yeah. re-entering or entering for the first time. And maybe without masks and things like that, Um, We just keep hearing stories about how there's been a little bit of struggle with helping parents navigate that. Tell us about some things that maybe um, children's ministers could do. And actually, Jana, you wrote a wonderful article about this
2: issue. And it was so developmental, and it really reflected the needs of the of the young child in dealing with this. Because if you think about it, a three a child who's three year old right now, he's um, just coming into a preschool ministry maybe for the first time. He has never been in play groups. He has yeah. never gone to another child's house to play. He doesn't even know his own cousins because of the mm. pandemic. He's yeah. really been removed from society. Mm. And this is an issue that children's ministers are going to be dealing with. I think not just right now, but coming up, because we are going to have to help parents and kids work through this in a much longer time range than we have in previous years. One of our daughters is um, a caregiver for mops one day a week, and she loves taking care of her babies.
1: Hold on. Is that still called? I'm sorry. Is that still called Moppet's? The preschoolers that, okay, I just wanted to draw that connection to our previous conversation about Muppets. Did you know, Chuck, that's the,
0: mops the and actual Muppets. preschool.
1: <laughs> exactly. Did you know though, because you aren't, you were never a mop because you're I was mom, not a, mother, a preschooler, um, but I was. And when, when you take your children to be cared for while you go to the mops meetings, that is called Muppets. Nice. So the piece was more moppets.
0: I was more of a broom, <laughs> a broom guy. You know, <laughs> sorry, go ahead.
1: Okay, we totally interrupted our guest.
0: I'd just but like to yes, sweep daughter- that under the rug though. Uh, Okay.
2: (laughs) well, our daughter, Christy, um, loves taking care of and she has three boys and she loves especially taking care of the little guys because she feels really comfortable with those little guys. But it took until April of the year and MOP starts in September and it goes through the school year. It took until April until all her little ones were able to successfully separate from the mom who was dropping them off. And that's the kind of thing that children's pastors are going to be dealing with, not just with the three-year-olds, but also with the the ones who are a little bit older. Because there are developmental tasks in terms of separation, in terms of how to cooperate with other kids, how to communicate with peers. These, These whole generations of kids have not dealt with any of these Mm -hmm. issues. So children's pastors might need to take a step back and think developmentally, what are the issues that these kids really need to be dealing with? And it might be a little bit different year coming up in Mm -hmm. terms of children's pastoring than they've had before. You know, things might be a little bit delayed. Um, the good thing, though, is that kids can catch up. And with our help, they can catch up quickly.
0: So share with us some, some of your practical tips. You have some suggestions for parents that I think we need to capture, and then some suggestions for ministry leaders and how we might help.
2: Yes, Um, The first thing is that I really encourage ministry leaders to set up um, a preview to let the child and the parent come into the the space, whatever space you have for your children's ministry. I encourage parents to have the child bring a transitional object. So the child will be bringing like a bunny or a rooster or whatever is their little lovey.
0: Or a big bird. With a beak that you can use like a puppet. Jana may still have hers if anyone needs to borrow it.
2: (laughs) You know, bring in Elmo or Grover and show them the space. Because when a child shows someone else the space, it removes some of that stress that they might feel that they have to adjust. They can instead help this friend adjust.
0: What a great idea. I can see how that that. would be such a great coping mechanism for a child uh, to be able to kind of offset some of their feelings onto this friend and then be the helper. That's a great idea.
2: Exactly. And the the bonus here is the parent sees that the child can cope. Mm -hmm. They see that the child really can be comfortable in the children's ministry space Mm -hmm. and their confidence level goes so much higher when they see their child effectively dealing with it. Mm. Also, you know, if children's pastors can help with kids establishing a ritual with their, whoever's going to be dropping them off, if it's a high five, if it's a wave, if it's a hug and a kiss, whatever, a ritual that they always go through. Um, Maybe they you know, have some little saying that they say, I'll see you soon. And that's always what they say. But a ritual, kids get great security from a ritual, from a routine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, encourage that. Um, the best idea, though, for for parents is to have the child walk into that first day holding the hand of a friend who is also coming into the class. And that's where those in children's ministry really play a role because the kids coming in might not know anyone in the class. And when you're three years old and you just see this sea of unfamiliar faces, wow, that alone can be really scary. So if you set up an open door ministry time for maybe two hours where families can kind of come and go as they wish. Kind of an open house before school ever starts or before your children's ministry opens in the fall. Mm -hmm. That can help families in so many different ways because it's not just the kids who are getting to know each other. It's the parents Mm -hmm. and parent networks today with all the social media connections that parents, especially moms, make those networks are prime. Mm -hmm. Those are so important for helping parents deal with some of these issues their kids are dealing with. Parents also have to be real aware, though, of their own body language. A very important fact to remember is that children read emotions before they read books. And just tell yourself that, even as a children's pastor, look at your own body language. Are you welcoming this family? Or does it seem like I'd really rather not be here? Mm -hmm. I mean, you are serving in this welcoming role. You are the front face of your congregation. And this is absolutely critical that you are communicating this welcome, not just with your words and your smile, but with your whole body. As kids pastors, we are into this, we are into full service for, for Jesus Christ and bringing families into the church, our bodies need to show that and kids are going to see that. And so will their families.
0: And now you recommend that there may be something that we should avoid. You, you say avoid that question. How do you feel? Tell us about that. Why is that something that, and that may be something that we naturally would just ask a child that maybe not be the best in this situation.
2: That's a good question to ask when a child has emotional literacy. Hmm. The problem is we ask that question of a child before he can identify what he's feeling Hmm. so often. You know, we'll suggest to a child, well, do you feel sad or do you feel happy? No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, let's help a child really develop a vocabulary of feeling words. This is emotional literacy. For example, do you feel bothered, curious, confused, discouraged, disappointed? proud, help children as they go through these feelings to attach a word to this feeling so that it's not just happy, sad. It is all these nuances of meaning. So when you have a four or five-year-old, they can say, I'm hesitant or I'm frustrated. And they can match that word to the feeling. Then we will be
1: able to help the child cope with that feeling in such a better way. I love that. I think one of the biggest messages that I would want to encourage our listeners with is to not give up. Because I know that we are fighting for families to come back to church since the pandemic and to uh, be able to thrive because now more than ever we need to establish those relationships. And I'm so glad you brought up the parents needing one another mm-hmm. because that is another key is we need to build that community and to build around, uh, preschoolers that, um, or parents that have preschoolers the same age as, as you do, I think is, is such an advantage and it helps parents not want to, stay back at home. They want to keep forging through to come back to church. And that's really what we want. And to establish a comfort zone where we can help make those transitions easier is important. And I want our listeners to not give up on that. And I think these tips are so encouraging because they're tangible and it's something that we can do from our seats in the church and it's how we can help parents as well. So I thank you for those practical tips. Sure.
2: Think of your children's ministry as a family-sharing Christ. That's really what children's ministry comes down to, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with issues, developmental issues like separation anxiety, which are going to happen, that's just part of the, of the picture here, but you are still a family sharing Christ. And if we can help kids and parents deal with each other and in their family and in the, in the group situation um, as fellow Christians, what a gift we will be giving that family, not just for this coming year or for this one year of a child's life, but these are important elements of character development that the child will take forever. Mm-hmm.
0: Dr. Maryman Simon, thank you so much for being with us today. You're you have so much wisdom and you are so eloquent in how you present. It's just a joy for me to listen to you uh, and to soak in all the things that you're sharing. So thank you for sharing with our listeners. We're really pleased to have you today.
1: Thank you, Chuck, and thank you, Jana. Thank you, Dr. Mary. Thanks for being here.
0: Listeners, I want to direct you to where you can find some of Dr. Mary's books. Now we've talked today about, tease the idea of that, that book first feelings, 12 stories for toddlers. That is a great place to start. These are books that you need to have that you can point parents to, to help them understand their children. And, And this is a children's book that they can read to their children to help their, their young ones process these feelings, that book first feelings and many other titles from Dr. Dr. Mary are all available at lifeway.com. If you go to lifeway.com and you just type in, in the search bar, Dr. Mary man's Simon and hit the button. You will see first feelings as well as some other really cool books. And I know Jana is a big fan of things like the pumpkin gospel in my Easter basket, in my first Christmas story. First Virtues is one that Dr. Mary mentioned here on the episode. And so listeners, go and check that out. Refer these to parents, get them for yourself and for your kids' spaces and check out all the wealth of material that's out there from Dr. Mary. Listeners, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate you. We want to help you as you seek to make your young ones feel seen and safe and known in your ministry and as you serve in your context alongside of parents to partner well with them to point kids to Jesus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time on another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.